these guys survived the David Kahn era of Timberwolves basketball and live to tell about it. It's Flagrant Howls. Yeah. All right, that one stung a couple nights ago. I know most people were probably glued to, to football, and, and Wolves fans were maybe flipping back and forth, or maybe you were glued to that Oklahoma City Wolves game. That was that lived up to the billing, and then the Wolves just was it twenty one turnovers, man. It, yeah. Turnovers are the biggest thing right now for this team, but it was fun. If you, by the way, if you can't handle these heavyweight fights, where you might you might lose some of them. Just want to say we're not you, we're not quite used to this in. Timberwolves land where it's like heavyweight fights against top contenders. You're going to, you're going to split 50, 50 on some of these. So I'm not, I'm not sounding too many alarms, but we will get to some of the stuff from that game. Disappointing loss, but I, I watched it on my phone and had football on my main screen. And I would say this, I thought it was a wildly entertaining game for sure. Like, like these are the type of games, like if you're a Wolves fan. So here, here's my thing. I don't understand. Like if you're mad, I guess. And look, I get, I get pissed off with teams I expect a ton from, but like when the wolves are coming back up, I mean, it's been, you know, forever since they've been this good, right? Like they, they've popped up and had some nice teams, but this team is really good. And I guess it's just, I still am in the honeymoon phase of, Oh my God, this is like a big time NBA tilt here. Yeah. Like these are two teams swinging and, and okay. See, I love them. They are a lot of fun too. So I watched that and I didn't get mad. I just thought disappointing loss. But damn, this is fun. Yes. And so put a pin in that. We'll circle back because my my first of a of a handful of Phil's Wolves takes, I think, kind of encapsulates what you're just talking about. Yeah. Uh, but quick, just a shout out to our friend and huge Timberwolves fan, David from First Equity Mortgage. So a few years back, I had a great experience refinancing my home at the time with David over at First Equity Mortgage and his team. And it's funny, since then, I did some calculations. So over the last probably eight to 10 years, First Equity Mortgage has handled 20 of my coworker and friends' home loans or refinances. So it's, a, it's an amazing company, uh, 24 years in the market. They pride themselves on treating every customer as a friend, as a neighbor, supporting the community. You'll see David wandering, or he's a 20-year Wolves and Link season ticket holder. So you'll see him roaming around Target Center. Uh, if you're interested... And finding out what First Equity can do for you, go to femort.com or go to scorenorth.com keyword David. That's femort.com or scorenorth.com keyword David. Okay, Phil's Wolves takes here. We got the OG Wolves guy, Judd, with his uh, wealth of knowledge of Wolves games from before any of us were born and conscious. Here is take number one. I find it incredible that we are now judging the Timberwolves on championship criteria. And I, when I say incredible, I don't mean like unfair. I'm saying we've reached a new level of how we judge the Timberwolves. Like when you're watching these games, no longer are you, you're not watching Wolves versus Celtics, Wolves versus Oklahoma City. And, oh, God, they, they hung in that game and that was great and they're building something. It, it kind of feels like it happened quicker than we thought, but They've built it. They've been number one in the Western Conference for two months. And now the feeling after they lose a game against Oklahoma City. I mean, Johnny K, I'm pretty sure it was Johnny K in The Athletic, had an article about how if they don't stop turning the ball over, they won't be able to go to that final level, which is winning right. a championship. And at no point, maybe outside of like a five-minute stretch in the 2004 playoffs, other than that, at no point in this franchise's history 
have we judged the wolves in this way? It's new territory. 35 years, it's new territory. Because like, even in 2003, 2004, when the Wolves were the number one team in the West and they're making their playoff run, Tim Duncan was the MVP the year before that. And the Spurs were kind of in the middle of a dynasty building. And the Lakers were coming off a three-peat the year before. So you, you, you're kind of looking around the landscape saying, yeah, but the Lakers and the Spurs, right. this feels way more wide open than it did 20 years ago. But I guess my main takeaway is it is incredible and bizarre and we have to get used to it that we're now judging the Wolves, the wins and the losses through the lens of are they good enough to win the NBA championship? And what I think the question off of that is, is this, how much can they, because I think they are, I think they, if you were to ask them privately, are you a little bit surprised about like your progress from a year of immaturity? And that was a nice team last season, but it had its real flaws. And so I don't think that there was a point in time where we where we thought once the season started, oh, this team's got a chance. We thought that they could win a playoff round. So here's my question. Off of, like, the Celtics loss, which I know uh, came a little bit shorthanded, but was disappointing, the OKC loss, disappointing, what is the learning curve now, and how much can it be accelerated to take those setbacks and use them to your advantage so that come playoff time, the co- from the coaching staff down, you know exactly what your flaws are to address them. That's my. That's what makes this accelerated progression to me so intriguing. Yeah. Because because these and we've talked about this before, but these losses could actually have a positive impact if they can be used in the correct way to to get at flaws come playoff time. Yeah, I mean it's it's end game, right? It's a lot yeah. of it is, you know, the Celtics game on one hand. Wow, why were they even leading that game by nine points three minutes to go on the road? Celtics at that point had not lost a home game. And you're without Rudy Gobert and Mike Conley. You're on a back-to-back in which you traveled the day of the game because weather and you know your travel plans got blown up. So on one hand, like, wow, that like the impressive nature of the Wolves being able to even have a nine-point lead, but they have still not fully mastered the art of dominating the last two or three minutes of a game offensively. I think defensively, they definitely, and they're going to have some moments where, hey, guess what? Shea Gilgis-Alexander is one of the best scorers in the world. Even if you play pretty good defense, he might get a shot off and bury it from the elbow, right? So I don't don't think think defense, they're going to have lapses and they're going to have moments where a better team just gets the best of you or a better scorer. But on offense, they don't yet know exactly what the formula is for their team. They're closer than they were a year ago, two years ago. Anthony Edwards is still trying to figure out, okay, with two and a half minutes left, here's exactly what I need to do. And if they do this to me, I do that. Boom, checkmate. If they don't do this, I do this, right? He doesn't know exactly what those chess moves are. And to your question, okay, how do you expedite that learning curve? Because here's part of the issue. And again, we're judging them through a championship criteria. Let's say organically it's going to take Anthony Edwards four or five more years to go from age 22 to age 26, 27. And then he'll be a fully realized version of himself, right? Well, we don't know what the Western Conference and the NBA are going to look like then, right? We don't know, like, Rudy Gobert is going to be gone by then. We don't know. This team right now, if they solve some of this stuff, can maybe win the championship, but are we asking too much out of a 22-year-old who's kind of the front man of this thing? I think there's things that he needs to get better at right now, but I also think there's things that, like, 
he, he's not going to be great at this or that. Like his handle, for instance. The one thing he should work on this last season, he worked on a mid-range game. He came back and said, I'm going to be able to score from 15 feet, 12 feet, 18 feet, and I'm going to do it at a 40% clip, and he has been, and that's great. Playmaking. This summer, it should be tightening his handle. Too many times he's getting stripped in traffic. Too many times he's dribbling a ball sloppily. Boom, he loses a handle. Boom, turnover the other way, right? Can he fix that between now and May? I don't know. Or, I, you know. or is there, uh, from a coaching standpoint, is there a workaround of some sort? Like where he improves, but he also gets help. That's my question. Yeah, well, there's tra- there's definitely a couple trades or there's Doogie's been all over this too. The buyout market is going to be yeah. for the first time in franchise history, maybe fruitful for the Timberwolves, depending on whose names are out there. It feels it feels like this is a real opportunity that you need to pounce on, though. Like like with where this team is at the season that that they're having. To your point, the Western Conference. Like, this does feel like, uh, too often it feels like teams in, in this town have not pounced on this opportunity. Yeah. And it feels like they need to because there's enough things that, you know, starting with defense, there's enough things that aren't a fluke. Like, yeah. it's one thing it's one thing when you're the 2023 or 22 Vikings, right? And it's like, you look at the statistics, and you're like, okay, 13 wins is awesome. But the reality is there's a lot of sort of fraudulence contained within this. I would argue that when you watch the Wolves, I don't see a ton of fraudulence. No, there's not. There's not because the, so they are number one still in defensive net rating. They're the number one defense in the league, and they're going to have nights obviously where you know right. you're not going you're not going to hold teams to 86 points every night. But offensively, they're 19th in offensive rating. If if they can hold as the number one defense, and somehow through like eliminating turnovers or finding someone via trade to just be a three-point bomber or is there a microwave scorer out there? You know, uh, there's guys out there that we've talked about on this podcast last couple weeks. Can they go, can they keep the number one defensive rating and go from 19th to like 10th right in offense? They don't, they don't need to be the best offense in the NBA. Uh, But all, all too often they're just kind of, like they, you need like six extra points over a stretch in the last five minutes, and they can't get a bucket because Anthony Edwards is getting double teamed, and they don't have other guys. Um, but that brings me to my second take here because this this all kind of intertwines together. Phil's Wolves take number two. Turnovers. I agree with John Krasinski. Turnovers are the biggest gap between where they are right now and potentially winning a championship. So they had. Let's pull this up here. And that lost the other night, in which they had like a double-digit lead early in the fourth quarter. All they have to do is really just not turn it over and get to the free-throw line, and they win that game. Mm-hmm. And they wind up with, they get outscored 28-14 to 14 against the Thunder, and they wind up with 21 turnovers to Oklahoma City's eight. I mean, that's yeah, a 13, that's 13 possessions that you are giving away, and then you are, you are handing them 13 opportunities to score points. Yes, and and that game was a playoff type game too. Like that, that's a repeatable game. So like you can't, you have to. Yeah, you don't look at that and say, well, that was sort of fluky, right? You you look at that game against a big time opponent in which you played really well at times, and you say, what would we have have to to clean up? Because that's how you lose like a game three or, or a game four, right there. Yeah, it is, and they've done it. I mean, they've done it against Memphis a couple of years ago, or they're just like it's just senseless. It's offensive fouls. 
So let's let's dive a little bit deeper into the turnovers here. So on the season, the Wolves have the second highest turnover rate in the league. Over the last month, they have by far the highest. So the turnovers have gotten worse as the year has gone on. And the two biggest culprits as individuals are Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns. And at first, I was looking in a vacuum like, well, that's, yeah, that's, that's tough. But how does that compare to other team superstars? Because the more... If we're just looking at sheer turnover numbers, well, the higher usage you are as a player, the more you're probably going to turn the ball over. So here's what's crazy. These are This is the top 10 individual NBA turnover rate leaders. So the top 10 players who turn the ball over the most per 100 possessions as individual players. Okay. Number one is Trey Young. Number two is Wemby, who's a high-usage 19-year-old yeah, with, with bad teammates. So you kind of get it, right? Joel Embiid. Giannis, uh, Cade Cunningham in Detroit, who's their best player, but that's just an atrocious team altogether. Anthony Edwards is sixth worst. LeBron is right behind him. Julius Randle, Steph Curry, and Sabonis round out the top 10. Kevin Durant is 12th. And Carl Anthony Towns is 16th. So on one hand, like, we're, we're looking at Anthony Edwards and saying he turns the ball over too often, and he does. But he's a high-usage player, and I just listed, dude, Giannis turns the ball over more than Anthony Edwards does, and Joel Embiid does too, and Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, and LeBron James, who are on the Mount Rushmore of players since Michael Jordan retired, all those guys turn it over. The problem is Cat being 16th on this list, I think the Wolves are the only team with two guys in the top 16. So you can have a a high-usage superstar that does turn the ball over, it's going to come with the territory, but when you have two guys that are in the top 15 or 16 in turnovers. Right. One of those guys has, well, both ideally have to fix it to some extent. Uh, One of them for sure. You just, you can't have the two high turnover guys. And that's what's happening in some of these games, unfortunately. So what's the key to, to at least get getting cat to, well, Oklahoma, more consistent, I guess. Oklahoma city kind of, they, they gave their blueprint after the game. You know, they, I can't remember if it was Shea Gilgis-Alexander or somebody else. I saw the quote from uh, Dane Moore, and uh, they said, we want to make the Wolves play in heavy traffic as much as possible. The Wolves have spacing issues. They, they ought, And it's not Chris, Chris Finch isn't out there designing like, hey, let's put everyone in a tight quarter and let's not get guys, let's not get two guys out in the corners. Uh, it's He's not calling set plays on a regular basis, which is pretty common in the NBA. It's not like college where every time down the – Sophomore point guard is looking over at Tom Izzo. What should I do, coach? You know, it's the NBA. It's up and down. You got to make your own decisions. You got Mike Conley out there as a floor general. And the the shot clock is, like in college, the shot clock is six seconds longer, too. So you have more time to be like, okay, what are we doing? In the NBA, it's like you're trying to take advantage of quick hitting opportunities and mismatches. So you're not calling a bunch of plays. But the problem is with the Wolves having that freedom, they're getting into bad habits regularly where they're not spacing well. So... They don't have open passing lanes, or they're just like trying to take on two or three defenders in a crowd. Carl likes to drive. Ant likes to drive. So, you know, people smarter than me when it comes to scheme, like the Dane Moores and the Jake Paintings of the world on YouTube, will say that maybe they should call more set plays, at least to just like create some structure. But you can't call like 70 set plays in a night. Like that's not. (laughs) Right. So um, I think part of it too is just, Anthony Edwards doesn't have the tightest handle. He's he's super high usage, and he's trying to, like, you know, 
put the ball on a string too often, and it's easy to poke it away from him more than it probably will be in two or three years from now. But they, however they fix it, they can't have two guys that are among the league leaders in turnover rate. One is fine. Work. Two is too many. Yes. Yes. So, and then uh, Phil's Wolves take number three for you. I don't know if you guys saw the, the back and forth stuff here on, like, Instagram, but after that game, here's my take. We might have a really fun budding rivalry in the Western Conference between Oklahoma City and Minnesota. So after the game was over, Anthony Edwards was asked about, you know, what makes it tough playing this team? And he said, well, and I'm paraphrasing, it's hard to beat the Thunder when Shea Gilgis-Alexander is being officiated in the way that he's officiated, which is you can't even, like, breathe on the guy. And he is, much like Chris Paul and some of these other dudes, like Steve Nash used to be great at it, he's brilliant at making it look like there's a sniper in a tower. Like anytime he, a defender rubs his shoulder, it's like, you know, he's flailing back and referees right. are just getting tricked by it. So I get Anthony Edwards' frustration, but Shea Gildas Alexander responds on Instagram. Uh, it's a photo of him sinking a key shot with his hand in the air with uh, a minute 14 left in the game. I think it was the game tying three, maybe. And he says, they talk about me for my post game. Not my post game. Oh, oh I like that. I love Jay. that. I love that. Strong. I mean, it's, it's oh, pretty good. It's oh, pretty good. <laughs> that's good. That's awesome. So we've. I mean, we, you got you got Shea Gildas <laughs> Alexander, and you got uh, you got Anthony Edwards that are pretty much in the same age bin going forward. You got Chet Holmgren, the local kid here, and Ooh. Carl, like these unicorn seven. He was fantastic on on Saturday too. Chet Holmgren is fun to watch, man. Yeah, he's a dude. He's really skinny, but I feel like w- there's like a new yeah, generation of wrong with that. seven footers now. Wemby and yeah, yeah there's Chet. Yeah. Uh, so the one thing I will say is this: if if I was Finch, I would rally my troops and say close door, close the locker room doors, and say this. All right, we're going to start to politic more, especially behind the scenes, for Ant to get calls. But Carl, I need you to shut up and quit falling down. It feels like the Wolves have too many. It feels like, and this is not a rip on Cat. It's just where the team is going. It feels like the Wolves are too frontal in trying to get calls. But why do certain guys get calls? Well, one, they're superstars. And two, I feel like they do a better job. with And and Ant, for all his bitching at times, he's still a likable dude. Like, you'll see him complain at an, an official and go back and talk to the same guy and pat him on the butt or something, right? So I feel like the Wolves, as the playoffs approach, need to do a far better job of deciding we're going to pick our battles. And the other thing is, Carl, when you drive the lane, don't just fall down. Because to me, officials hate that. It's because he's so big and he, he gloves down the lane and then he falls and he puts on this Jim big Peterson, display. you hear him on the broadcast. Well, too. he it's also like, takes himself out of the defense. Yeah. He, he takes himself out of place. But, yeah. you know, I think you need to look at these guys that get calls and say, okay, how are they going about it instead of just yeah. complaining about it? Yeah, there is there is an art to it. I think I've softened on this. I used to get so mad at the argument that the Wolves, the NBA is out to screw the Wolves and this and that and the other. They do get the short end on a lot of nights when you compare it with some of these, especially, I think, especially Anthony Edwards. But he did shoot 10 free throws in that game, yeah. which is above his season average. So. To your point, the question is why then? You know why? Because it's not—it's not like uh, the officials come into a game and say, "Well, it's Minnesota and Ant. He's a star, but he's not a good enough star." Like people, like 
Well, no, we need Adam Silver, man. Like at some point here. So can we, is there like a meeting behind closed doors every right. year where Adam Silver sits down and says, okay, who are the eight faces, of the franchise uh, faces of the league this year? You know, okay. It's going to be it's Steph, the 14 years of Steph, 20 yep. years of LeBron. Okay. She Gilders Alexander has been anointed as one of the eight faces. Like how can we get Anthony Edwards in that trust tree for the next 10 years? Also worth noting on that game. So again, they they lose by five. It was a really tough loss to stomach. Mike Conley went one for nine from three point range, that was a bad and game. he's been one of the best three point shooters in the league so far this year. It was just kind of a regression to the mean game for him. Yep. If he hits three of nine, they win the game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm try- on 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 one hand, there's some things that need to be fixed, turnovers and some late game offensive chaos. On the other hand. That was one of their best defensive performances of the year. They held Oklahoma City to 102 points, including uh, they needed 28 in the fourth just to score 100. So yeah, it was a great game. It was a fun game. You know, I don't want to overreact too much, but yeah, I would love to see Wolves Thunder develop this awesome rivalry too. You know, it feels mm-hmm. it. You know, it, it feels like the Warriors are obviously kind of passing the torch, and you know the Lakers and LeBron are figuring out their stuff. But the the, the West needs a good new rivalry, right? And OKC, who was obviously really really good with Durant and Westbrook back in the day, and they certainly had a championship window. But I mean, Wolves and Thunder, like, sign me up for that playoff series, man! Like, that's can't miss TV, in my opinion. Yeah, it's uh, it's def it's definitely brewing because you've got some pillars here that are gonna. Now you could argue that with both these franchises. If they if they hit a glass ceiling at some point, are they going to be feeder systems for Shea Gildas Alexander and Anthony Edwards and all the rumors to to maybe leave? But we're still several years away from all of that percolating. <laughs> I do have one more Wolves take for you here. After Judd shouts out our friends at Livia to help you guys lose some weight to start the new year. Absolutely. Uh, there is Sports Dad on the left and right. What's the difference? Down 40 pounds, thanks to my friends at Livia Weight Control Centers. And have they got an offer for you right now? Ladies and gentlemen, if you are, you know, suffering from the winter blahs, you've been on the couch, gained some weight, well, if you join right now, the first three months are going to be free. And I also want to tell you about their brand-new medical weight loss option. This could be a game-changer and a life-changer for a lot of folks because it helps to suppress many of the cravings that make weight loss so difficult. Just give them a call, 855-GO-L-I-V-E-A, Livia.com, L-I-V-E-A, Livia.com. Looking to get rid of that excess winter weight? Livia will have you looking good for three months for free come spring. Uh, yeah, you get a head start to look good in that new golf apparel from the uh, the golf show that's coming up in a few weeks here. The 2024 Minnesota Golf Show, February 9th through the 11th at the Minneapolis Convention Center. Get free lessons from a PGA teaching professional. Try out the newest equipment for 2024. Take your chance at sinking a $100,000 putt. And also, Purple Daily and Mackie and Judd will be there on that Saturday, February 10th, hanging out. So if you want to come hang out with us, the schedule is at mngolfshow.com. And tickets for Score North listeners, just $5 all week long. With the promo code SCORE, that's S-K-O-R, at mngolfshow.com. Okay, one more Wolves take for you guys here. We got to get KG back in that building. (laughs) It's got to happen. I got my KG uh, Roots of Fight hoodie on here today. Okay, then here's my question. When is Glenn going to not be coming to every single game? I don't... I don't know that KG is going to go back in that building until Glenn not only doesn't own the team, but is not courtside every game. Yeah. So is he still going to have those seats when 
Well, here's he's what's a minority weird about it. owner in I'm like a, two months. I'm gonna guess so. So Lori, so yes, I, I think Dex is right. But so Lori sits on the same side as Glenn and Becky now, right? And, and then does A Rod where, where he used to sit with Mark? You're yeah, confused uh, by this. What you think there's tension? I, there's I don't know. Mark it's just weird. It's just weird that that Mark and A Rod used to sit on the same side of the court. Mark has now moved to Glenn's side of the court. A-Rod still sits across court. But I think Glenn, I think as long as Glenn is going to every game and being incredibly involved, as it seems that he tries to be, I don't know Kevin's going to come back. Okay, I think once Glenn is no longer the majority owner, I think you don't have to, like, disrespect the guy on the way out, but he was legitimately, for three decades, one of the worst owners. And I know he's a nice guy, and he's got his little sweaters. And done stuff, right by the but... Star Tribune. That's all I got to say. <laughs> Yeah, you got it. At that point, when he's the minority owner, he is no longer in a position to me for like his presence at courtside okay, takes yeah. precedence over Kevin Garnett showing up. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm with you. You tell him, hey, sorry, man, but uh, here's 20 games that we want KG to be at. You cannot show up. So go watch from Mankato. Here's some upper level. You put so many damn seats in the upper deck line here. <laughs> We'll put you in the first Go row, sit with okay? the common fans. Yeah. First row of the upper deck. We'll put you right at center court. I mean, you're but so you're 100 percent right. It's like the final thing that would complete this season and this rise to the top of the Western Conference is is getting him back in that building. And he's been every day. He's praising Anthony Edwards and the team on his podcast on social media. Like, come on, man, let's get let's get KG back where he belongs in that building. Can you imagine the excitement among players too? Forget the fan base, which would go nuts. But I'm just talking about those players. It would be like basketball royalty walked back in. Yeah, it would. Ju- and it would just make it feel bigger and more legitimate. And yeah, you know, it's it would just be the next evolution in what they're building here. So get KG back in the back in the mix. All right, boys. There's Love your uh, your flagrant house fix for this Monday. Kyle and I will hit you guys tomorrow. Uh, Tuesday and then Thursday with some episodes, and then we'll probably we'll pro- this might be a four episode week of Flagrant House because we might hit you with a Friday episode as well. But uh, yeah, give us if you could a five star rating and a positive review on Apple Podcasts so we can keep growing this awesome community of Timberwolves fans here. Man, this is a very unique opportunity between now and the end of the year. Tighten up those turnovers, add some offense at the trade deadline. Trade deadline. Two weeks from Thursday, baby. Let's make it happen. We'll speculate we'll recklessly with Doogie, I'm sure, this week, next oh, week. But God, yeah. Uh, this has been another episode of Flagrant Howls, your favorite Timberwolves lifestyle podcast.